welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dr. Jeff Smith, a clinically active orthopedic traumatologist, a certified coaching professional, and the CEO and founder of Surgeon Masters, a surgeon coaching company. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Welcome, Jeff. Um, Jeff and I go back a few years. He is an orthopedic surgeon, um, an active orthopedic traumatologist, a certified professional coach and CEO and founder of what's called Surgeon Masters, a surgeon coaching company which focuses focuses on practice optimization and wellness. And Jeff and I don't remember exactly how we got connected, but we've been connected for a while. And many of you know that my work also involves with physician burnout, applying athletic performance principles to surgery. And the doc journey, what we've been working on is really sort of a takeoff of the physician burnout and vice versa. But Jeff and I have been teaching each other different things. I've been on his podcast. He's now on mine today, which I'm excited about. So Jeff, welcome to our show. I was going to point out that, you know, the there was so much back and forth between the projects that you were doing. And, you know, I, um, you shared with me your book. Um, and I, I read that book. Uh, I'm not an avid reader. I read mostly uh, self-improvement type nonfiction material. And uh, I read that book and I thought, wow, there's just amazing parallels and amazing crossover between uh, burnout uh, wellness, uh, and, and chronic pain. And, uh, and I think that that, uh, intrigued me and it showed a ton of the parallels of the projects that the two of us are working on. So really curious, how long have you been practicing? You're in, you're in San Diego itself, correct? Yeah. I, uh, I completed my training in residency training in 95 from the Campbell Clinic in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. And then I went off and did an orthopedic trauma and joint reconstruction fellowship, uh, followed that with another orthopedic trauma fellowship, and then went into practice initially in the first five years in academics. And then the last uh, approximately 18, 19 years in private practice, but I'm very much an orthopedic trauma surgeon. And while I think it crosses over, there's uh, a fair amount of secondary trauma uh, that surgeons experience and orthopedic trauma surgeons maybe uh, experience that in, in some bit of uh, moderate to high doses. How did you happen to, I mean, you have done something rather unusual. You've actually taken action on a very serious topic of physician burnout because as you know, we have both heard about burnout since our career started and people wring their hands and they bemoan the problems, but really do people actually do something about it? So you took some action and started this, started this process called Surgeon Masters, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, but I'd like to, before we talk about Surgeon Masters, how did you sort of arrive to this point? Well, it's interesting that the, you know, it's, you see better the further you get away from the past or the more you learn, I guess maybe is a better way to describe it. So when I, uh, probably in the, towards the tail end of the first five years of practicing the academics, I was probably burning out. I was having uh, some anger issues um, at, that 
I felt, but usually didn't reveal. But when I revealed them, it, it was not good. And then um, that led me to leaving the university and making a change. Um, in retrospect, I was probably burning out. And one of the human factors of burnout, I don't look at it as a negative thing. I think of it as a normal human response to dissatisfaction or things that are counter to your values or goals. And so it's a it's your body trying the or your mind and body trying to create change. And when you resist that, it it's it's probably less healthy. Uh, but that was my first experience with that. And then um, went about 10 years into eight to 10 years in the private practice and considered a very successful uh, orthopedic trauma surgeon from the outside, um, dealing with complex trauma, being referred that from many of my colleagues and uh, believe I was doing a really good job of it. But there was something that, there was two things going on in that point of my career. One was um, actually physical pain. So I had started developing neck and lumbar radiculopathy problems and usually I was, I was very effective and trained at subduing the pain, um, which created actually my main symptom is being numbness and not recognizing pain. Again, that has its own potential pathology in and of itself. <laughs> I mean, do you mean like mental numbness or the leg numbness or both? Leg and hand numbness. So I oh, did, okay. did not actually feel as much pain. I would have episodes of pain when they first started in my neck, I just assumed it was, you know, muscle strain and, and shrugged it off and powered through my job. Uh, and, but eventually that was getting tested and the testing showed that it was actually extremely chronic uh, nerve damage. Got it. Um, and then same thing, but I had my episodes of impressive pain. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but so I was look, you know, experiencing this myself. I was seeing colleagues, other surgeons retire from practice way earlier than you would typically expect somebody to because of physical disability. And then I was also looking at the changes of healthcare in a pretty significantly negative mindset. Like this is going downhill. Where is the opportunity for growth in my career without just working this hard for the rest of my life. Right. Um, and, and as you know, pretty, pretty darn hard. So that was sort of the second phase. Well, I'm smart. I'm very um, uh, hardworking. So I tapped into those two skills and said, well, what's my exit strategy? And I went off and got coach training. So that was around 2013 when I finally made that, got into the training. Um, and it was appealing to me because I have some basic personality traits that benefit as a coach. But it also turned out to, I was learning a lot of the coaching mindset and methodology, which parallels doc journey concepts that help heal, help create a positive mindset, uh, move through things, 
And as I was integrating those things into my life, it actually turned out to be my stay in strategy for now eight more years and hopefully eight to 10 more if I so choose to. The nice thing is it's now a choice rather than feeling like just an inevitable that I would have to leave my career. So what, what at the worst, two questions here. One of them, what did your burnout look like um, during the worst phase of it? And then I know you get some coach training, but what were the specific tools that you started to use to pull yourself out of it? Um, good questions. And it's interesting because it's even hard to sometimes look back on it. However, I would say that um, it was probably for me, and I think this is the reason that burnout's so hard to understand is that there's three main categories. Uh, the emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and a decreased sense of accomplishment or fulfillment, success, whatever people might want to nuance that. But I felt successful. I felt like I was achieving various things, but there is still an elephant, an element, I like that, um, an element of what do I want to do beyond what is the what I've done so far and just maintaining that. So there's still a desire to advance yourself. And I didn't aspire to be in charge of a department. I just really enjoyed taking care of patients uh, and was good at it and enjoyed improving, but I wasn't sure that I could sustain um, that continued growth at the pace that I was going at. The for me, I believe the emotional exhaustion was probably a pretty significant component. I never actually measured it, but I think that was that other part of the, the component that felt inside like something wasn't right. And so I, as you pointed out, like I, I, I look now back because I'm following you and other people, there's tons of, well, there's a lot of research coming out new of the number of surgeons who operate, beginning their operation already with a certain level of pain. And by the end of the operation, they have even more pain. So following, you know, again, I'm not as advanced in this as you are, but if that's going on in your body while you're doing what you actually do best, that's pretty interesting how much that could be a problem. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to give you my real simplistic def definition of burnout. It's a, it's a word that's used a lot. And it's such a common word. People sort of almost gloss over it. But, um, and I did. And then I hit a full-scale burnout, which lasted 15 years. And burnout is a horrible experience. And for me, my existence sort of disintegrated. So I, I know there's three kind of, there's also another different set of categories of you know, what we call moral injury where doctors are seeing things done in medicine where they have no control over, really not, you know, our system is really pushing us to do things that probably aren't the best interest of the patient. So there's sort of that moral injury is what they call it. And then the other thing is we're just under tremendous amount of stress. It is insane how much stress, man, stress we are under, but you're never at any point in time taught how to deal with it, ever. High school, college, medical school, nothing. And on top of it, as you all know, we get penalized for seeking help, period. And we can discuss that in a second. But the one I find the most interesting, which based on what you just said, I think that the worst contributor to burnout is um, suppressed anxiety, suppressed emotions. 
And you and I both know when you suppress anything, it gets worse. So I went from being a major top level spine surgeon to crippling anxiety in one day, and I couldn't pull out of it. And as I talked to my colleagues, um, that first of all, when you mentioned anxiety in a burnout lecture, the physicians want to go through the floor. They go, I'm not anxious. I mean, we, have, we put this suit of armor on and we don't allow ourselves that sensation of anxiety. It was ironic what I learned from this golf coach, David Alamey, about performance is that if you allow yourself to feel the negative emotions, then they start losing their power over you. But to try to get a surgeon to use the word anxiety is not easy to do. Have you found that to be true? Absolutely. So that's the, uh, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm trying to come up with examples because there's so many, but the one of the things that I, I put it also, so the, I want to be careful that, and I don't think you're doing this, but careful that it's not the, the blame doesn't necessarily fall on the surgeon to not recognize that. Like you said, we haven't received the training. And in fact, right. we received the opposite training. We received the training to actually suppress it. Correct. And so I think your observations and studies are fantastic. I think when you added that we suppress all emotions or many emotions, that's really the next level. Because for you, you might've been suppressing anxiety. I might be too, but only finding it out much later. But perhaps I was suppressing an emotion of sadness or who knows what else, right? Or, or anger. I might've been suppressing anger. And again, I know you know they're, they're related, but there's nuance, right? right. Well, I think that's, um, a wonderfully good, <clears throat> that's a really wonderfully good point that definitely needs to be clarified is that when I say you can't get a surgeon to talk about anxiety, we just don't know what it is. Said, we got to where we got to by just suppressing, you're right, everything. And well, my, name, my nickname in high school was The Brick, which was- well, We, we gain pride out of various right. uh, skills that we develop because it does power us through some of the most stressful moments of doing surgery, but we don't know how to turn it back off. We don't know how to create space for it Right. Right. Which is tons of the stuff you're doing with Dr. Ernie. And all these things are really powerful tools to make a difference. So a little bit going back to your question before, it was a bit of everything. I mean, there was a few significant moments in the coach training. Uh, I knew that I had fairly high skill set in intellectual and intuitive like i'm a, a pretty intuitive orthopedic trauma surgeon i don't yeah, go just, just if you're just you're a surgeon you can't be intuitive well no so intuitive is a little bit different but i'm, I'm, I was, kidding. I'm completely kidding right. but, I'll tell you but why i'm not but i was pretty weak on the le third leg of the stool, stool which was emotional and and that comes a little bit from my childhood background too but these are skills that we all need to develop no matter where we are right Right. Now, I think a deadly part of a surgical training, we're actually, I think it's even deeper than you're saying in that we suppress stress is how we get there. We don't complain very much. We take a lot of pride in just being sort of warriors. I mean, that was one of my personal identities. I'm just sort of like a World War veteran, World War II veteran, just go to war. And so don't complain. You get, you get a lot of pride in being tough and you just aren't rewarded for feeling emotions by your peers or the administration. Mm -hmm. And so it just takes a terrible toll on your body because when you suppress emotions, it comes out as different 
physical and mental symptoms is pretty horrible. Um, so I put a course on a year ago called A Course in Compassion, Empathy in the Face of Chronic Pain, because doctors tend to label patients in pain. And I had several colleagues, mostly interns, come up to me and go, well, you can't put a course in compassion. I'm going, what are you talking about? He go, they go, well, you're an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> okay. But we are, we're, so part of the thing is I think that we are given this sort of badge or label of being tough and we sort of willingly take it on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's internal external, right? It's fed to us with different feedback that then we kind of acknowledge and allow to persist. And then there are things that are in our personality that tap into that. Um, and I do think it is related to survival and reward and different things like that. Um, I think we're, we're, you and I are good examples. And I actually know of several other examples of people trying to break out of that box and show that we can maintain these high skills and these um, expectations of what our job demands, but still do it in a much healthier way. What I found out is that I engage this golf coach who, you know, that you've met on online and talked to him, David Delaney. And what I eventually found out is that we use mindfulness-based practices in surgery. In other words, you allow yourself to feel anxious and upset. And as you allow those motions to come and go and quit fighting them, your capacity actually to do the surgery went up dramatically because you were focused on the surgery. You weren't focused on keeping thoughts and stuff out of your mind. So instead of being on focus, 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 we were actually connected to the move. And my technical complication rate probably dropped 80%. It was, so allowing myself to feel anxious actually allowed me to focus on the surgery and not worry about the anxiety. It was very paradoxical that way. I was blown away. Yeah. So as far as burnout, I just want to um, close this session up with just a little bit of comments is that, this is, this is a big question, but burnout affects patients' care, also affects the clinicians personally. So what do you think the effect is of a burned out physician taking care of patients? So it's interesting. I, I, I'll add a little bit to some of your earlier comments and integrate this in. So I actually think that what we have is a workplace hazard, right? So the hazards are that we have this space where we can experience burnout because burnout has some specific parameters that define it. We experience moral injury. They can be overlapped, but they don't have to be the same. And then there's actually physician distress because of certain occurrences that can have a pro profound impact on any human. And we experience that, that like any other human. Right. And all those have a little bit different impact. But in all these areas, I believe that we can... Uh, if we recognize what they are, we can play a role. So there's parts of the environment, but there's also parts of ourselves. And I think that we can actually change these things by using these different things that have shown effectiveness in this area in athletics and in other high performance activities, whether that be uh, positive psychology, whether that be mindfulness, 
um, uh, many things. Again, an a aspect of say from just taking it from the coaching world is when somebody actually recognizes through coaching experiences that they have choices, then it decreases anxiety, even if we don't perceive it as anxiety, right? If I know I have only one choice, I feel cornered in and an animal cornered in is either going to fight or flight, right? And if you're cornered, you don't think you actually can flight. So you only have one choice, fight. That's where anger would potentially come out. If you only have two choices, it might be fight or flight. But if you start recognizing a weight, I have a third, a fourth choice that has a profound impact. And you know, the healthcare environment, you know, the experiences that we have, there's many times where it's presented to us or that we perceive it as, because it can be either that we don't have any choice. Right. Well, we'll talk about this in the second half of this podcast, but we are under unbelievable stress. We are not taught stress management skills, and we actually are actively penalized for seeking help. And so I felt incredibly trapped at the height of my burnout. I did not feel like I had, I had any choices, and I just about didn't make it through. And you know, I have talked about physician suicide. I mean, I was suicidal, I was actively suicidal. I have 19 medical colleagues dead from suicide, including four medical school classmates, my fellow fellow spine surgery, et cetera. I mean, we, so you, when you feel trapped, that is one of the escapes is just bailing out of life and people do it. So isn't the rate of suicide physicians about double for men and quadruple for women physicians? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's bad. Yeah. Really and, bad. you know, so the correlation is that these things increase the risk that you're experiencing burnout, burnout increases the risk that you can create a medical error or patient harm. But the interesting thing that I point out is it's the statistical risk. And so someone who may have other factors that add to that, well, then their risk is going to be higher. Right. Well, what's interesting, and you probably found this in retrospect, the same, you probably didn't have that high of a complication rate, but any complication rate to you was perceived as too high. Absolutely. So that, so that made it internally even higher, but many high performing surgeons, the last thing that will ever show up is a medical error. Their internal toy term, cause it's, you're, you're trained and taught. If that's your moral, your moral yeah. is do no harm. Right. Right. And yet there's all these things coming at you that are driving burnout and moral injury. Then what's going to get impacted is your personal life, right. your, your internal self-care. Right. right. And the last thing for some people that will actually tip is they then will at their tipping point, have a medical error or a harm episode. Again, I'm not saying it has to happen that way, but that's one way it can happen because it does, it's not an equal sign. Correct. Right. Administrators like to point out that, well, let's just deal with burnout physicians by taking them out of the clinical arena. Right. Well, okay, you you only have a certain amount of supply of these people that are highly trained, that if you just put the effort into training them to process this stuff better, you'd still retain them. And so 
I just want to point that out. Now, statistically, yes, those things come up. Like I follow my well-being index and I point just in this past month, I have a little, little higher um, uh, risk of harm statistic on my barometer than the average because I'm going through some other things that create a little higher, uh, I have not so great work-life integration. And then I also have, um, I'm a person who experiences suicidal ideation when under stress. Right. And so that, that comes in sometimes with a component or dose of risk for depression and things like that. So there's certain mixes that amplify the risk and there's certain mixes that, you know, they're there, but it's, you know, just, we need to be aware of the, the nuance and details of these things. And we should, like you said, in the very beginning, we just need to be making a difference to make this better and safer and, so everybody wins. Right. So Jeff, thank you very much. Um, could you, I know you have surgery masters and how do people access your services? So it's pretty easy it would be just uh, surgeonmasters.com. That's all one word and surgeon masters uh, blended together. Um, and they can reach out. We have, uh, uh, people that reach out because they're a surgeon and they're looking for coaching or they're looking for, um, you know, wellness information, anti-burnout stuff. Um, and then um, there's also people that are just supporters of surgeons and um, are part of our community as well. Do you do coaching for non-surgeons and other high-level business professionals or is it just surgeons right now? So I've chosen to, to really highlight my tribe my, gotcha. my, my people. Okay. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of evidence in coaching that shows that that helps you work through some of the barriers to engagement. And so I'm primarily a surgeon coach, but I do coach non-surgeons. Uh, but I tend to, if somebody reaches out to me and I th think there's a better fit then I know plenty of people in my network to, that would coach them as well. Great. Um, any final thoughts for the audience before we uh, before we stop here? I just thank you for the opportunity to, to have this discussion. Yeah, thank you for being on it. I'm excited about what you're doing. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jeff Smith, for being on the show today and for explaining the causes of physician and surgeon burnout and for also sharing the experiences that led him to the creation of Surgeon Masters, a surgeon coaching company. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at thedocjourney.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.